The Beat Church, bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. We just lost lights. Um, and so, question. Um, I know you guys are panicking up there, um, but I actually did that, so you can relax. Uh, if it's dark and you want light, what do you do? Do what? Turn the light on. Coming from a mom, very practical. Flip the switch, I heard somebody say. Any other ideas? Clap. No, if you have a clap on, clap off. If you have an Alexa. Our little girl always goes around the house now trying to talk to Alexa. Alexa doesn't quite understand her, so all kinds of random things happen in our house. Turn on your phone. Okay. Here's what, if you want the light on and it's dark, what does not turn it on? Doing nothing. What else? Complaining. Complaining. Oh, it's dark out. It's dark. Why is it dark? I don't know. Sit here and talk about how dark it is. Can't see anything. Does that turn it on? It doesn't. So I'm going to go back on. And this is the point of that. That, isn't that nice? We have light. Praise God for light bulbs and stuff. What a neat invention. We take so many things for granted. Just having light is so wonderful. Uh, there's so many things that we look at in life and in the world that are not the way they should be. That the world is full of darkness all around us. There's darkness we just saw in Uvalde, Texas, in the schools. There's darkness in work. There's darkness sometimes just in our neighborhoods. Darkness in our own heart sometimes, in our own minds. Darkness sometimes in our marriages. Darkness in our families, in our emotions. Darkness all around. And do you know what does not eliminate darkness? Complaining. Talking about it. Doing nothing about it. Just like it wouldn't turn on the lights in here, it doesn't turn on the lights out there. It doesn't turn on the lights in here. What turns on light is taking action that is different than darkness. Is taking action that actually causes change. One of the great causes of darkness in our own lives, in our communities, and in the world is pride. Pride and ego. Everyone wanting to have their own way, to do their own thing, to be their own person, to have the best seat at the table. To always have a little bit more money, to have a little nicer outfit, to have a little better car, to be right. Anybody in here like to be right? Oh, good. We should all get together because I like to be right and you don't, so we'll have a perfect relationship. <laughs> Does anybody in here think the person next to you likes to be right? Oh, see, okay, here's a little more truthful. We just saw everybody is. Pride causes a lot of problems, a lot of issues. It creates a lot of darkness. 
causes nations to war and to fight. It causes people to argue over parking spaces, over where to put the cart back, over who's first, who's last, who's this, who's that, who gets the bigger piece of pie. Whether the toilet seat is up or the toilet seat is down. Whether clothes are better suited on the floor or better suited in the drawer. Has anybody ever had an argument over whether or not a bed should be made? That's a, that's a legitimate question because why would you make a bed when you're just going to get back in and mess it up? That is very inefficient. Right? That's like doing something just to welcome back and it's re-undone. It's like, what, why would I do that? So arguments can be over stuff that's that simple. But pride causes a lot of problems. It causes a lot of issues. And today we're going to talk about humility, which is the opposite of that. And God's call for us as believers is to live in humility. And believe it or not, humility is a pathway for victory. It's not what we think of as a pathway to victory because we think victory comes through dominance, through power, through overcoming, and which it does. God has power and is overcoming. But how did God display his power? God displayed his power through Jesus. And how did Jesus display his power? Through serving, through humility, washing the feet of his disciples, serving the broken, even through giving his own life on the cross and allowing people to curse him and to beat him and to ultimately kill him, to to lose all dignity, was the path to power, to deliverance, to freedom. As his followers, his disciples, were called to the same type of lifestyle, not in order just to be trampled on, but because it is, the, it is actually the lifestyle, it is actually the pathway that brings victory. But it's a hard one to walk. It's a hard one to go because most of the times things will look worse before they get better. When Jesus was on the cross, it didn't look good. It didn't look like victory. It didn't look like he was going to win. It didn't look like we were going to get freedom from that. He didn't look like a savior. When he was buried, it looked even worse. When he rose again, it looked better, but then he left. And that didn't look great either to the people standing around thinking, I thought we're supposed to do something now. Then he put it down. The Bible says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. He went even from that. He said, okay, now I'm glorified, but we're not winning this way. I'm going to put it back into you And the world's like, well, how could God do anything through them? Those people? Back then, it was fishermen and tax collectors and women, which were completely, they didn't even have a voice in court. Yet the first witness of the resurrection, a woman, to go back and tell other people, God said, I'm going to put it in you. I'm going to go the humble route even after I leave through you to start to begin to touch the world and minister to the world. And so think about that as we go through this message. We're going to do a ton of scripture today. You know what? Because that's where the power of God is at. It's in his word. But we're going to talk about humility. And I want you not to think of it as humility for others. Like, oh, yeah, people could just get on a hold of that. Boy, we're going to do really good. Think of it about your own life. A place that maybe God would call you to humility in. In order to bring greater victory. 2 Chronicles 7, 13 to 14, when I shut up the heavens, this is God talking, when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, God is allowing and sending out some difficult trials and situations. Why would he do that? Well, we do know as parents sometimes we put some trials and we put some tribulations and stuff on kids. Why? Because we hate them. No, because it develops character. 
They might feel that way, but it develops character. It allows them to get rid of things that are not supposed to be done and focus on what should be and to build their life up. And God puts things in our lives sometimes in order to cause us to go, this isn't working well. I need to do something differently and to begin to change and begin to move towards God. So when this happens, he says, if my people who are called by my name would stand up stronger, have more just power, if they would just claim it more, if they would just rise above, pull themselves up by the bootstraps, then they'll have victory. He doesn't say that. He says that they would humble themselves and pray and seek my face. So in other words, look to God, begin to cry out to him and turn from their wicked ways. He says, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. Heal their land. So the question is, if and who? If you look at that prayer, if who will humble themselves? There you read it. He says, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves. Who? My people. This passage is going out to people that were living in some terrible times, under some terrible oppression, and there's all difficulties going on in the world around them, and even from other governments and other societies and other things. There's, there's trouble and there's difficulty in life. It's a hard time to live. A better word, a more comfortable word for sure would have been, if my people will, will call out to me about somebody else, if my people would pray that somebody else is humbled, if somebody else's pride would come down, if somebody else is another nation, another person, another group, another, if that would happen, but he didn't. He said, if, if my people would humble themselves, if my people would pray, seek their face, and then if my people would turn from their wicked ways. It echoes Jesus, what Jesus said, previews Jesus, who said not to look at your neighbor, right, and try to take a speck out of their eye when there's a plank in our own eye. It's caused, you know, if things are going wrong, if there's problems, if there's issues all around us, right, to look first and say, Lord, what, is, what needs to change here? What needs to change in me? What needs to change in my life? It's dark. My neighborhood's dark. The school's dark. The world's dark. The government's dark. There's just dark things happening. It's frustrating, it's discouraging, it can be that way. But the call is not just to complain or to point out, but as difficult as it can be at times is to look and say, okay, look, what's my part? What can I do differently, Lord? What do I need to humble about myself? What do I need to change? How do I need to interact differently with my neighbor, with my kids, with my family, with my wife, with my coworkers? Whatever he would call you into relationship to do. It doesn't make sense to our own heart, but it does. Here's what the word humble means, and I want to get into this. This is actually an Arabic word when it was used in this verse, and it means to subdue or to fold the wings. So think of like something with wings, right? This powerful wings, right? It means to subdue and to fold them, to put them away. Which wings are what give that, that creature, that animal, that ability to do a lot of things. Pick three animals to talk about. Peacock. Peacocks like to show off. We probably have at least a few in here. Right? They like to spread their wings out. They like to spread out their feathers and go, woo, check me out. Look at me. I pulled up several people's Facebooks, which we're about to go through in order to see who the peacocks are. 
A couple of people, don't do it. I'm not going to do it. But we like to spread it out. Look at me. Give, give me attention. Make me feel better. I want to be better than the next person. And that's going to make life better for me. That's going to make me get attention. It's going to allow me to get better opportunities. It's going to allow me to get more money. Allow me to do other things that are good for me. We can get that way. We use our wings that way. We use our gifts, our abilities, our talents. All the things that we have that God's given us, we use it to just, whew, yeah. That's a form of, of pride. It's a way to use our wings to spread them out. Another one's the eagle. Which the eagle, when you think of the eagle's wings, you, you really don't think of looking at them much. You don't see them much. The thing's going too fast. It's like, you just think it's like coming down, man. I think it's going to get that prey. It's going to pick up that deer. It's going to swoop down. In our neighborhood, we have a bunch of hawks, man. Those hawks will swoop down and pick up your dog. That's why you walk them with a leash. Just, whoop, whoop, got them. You gotta save them. Can't be out there walking without a leash. But it's power, strength, the ability to provide for yourself, to, to win the victory, to win a battle, rise above the storm of life. Strength. That's a use of wings. You know, hens have wings, and you know, hens are really bad flyers. You know, like walking down the street and you see like a hen just soaring over. Oh, look at the hen. God made him that way because otherwise eggs would be falling out of the sky. It's monk, monk, which would be horrible. So he purposely made him with wings that only allow him a little bit of flight time, right? They can just basically jump, flap around, and then fall down. Like, thank God. How miserable would that be? But that's a hen. So what does a hen need wings for? Anybody know? Balance. Helps them walk to watch their babies, cover their babies. Jesus talked about that. He looked out. He cried over Jerusalem. He said, oh, like a, how I long to gather you like a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. I want to gather you, protect you, care for you, love you. I want to keep you close. We can use our wings that way. That's not bad. I just want to protect. I just want to save my kids. I want to save my friends. I want to save you. I, want to, I, just want, to, I want to protect everybody. But there's things going on in life, and there will always be things going on in life that your wings are not big enough to protect. You can do all you want. You can hold on as tight as you can. You can smother your kids. You can keep them home. They can be 55 and still living in your basement. You can still have a filter on your internet. Make them turn their phone in at 10 o'clock. Have a curfew. Chaperone them on their dates, which is probably why they're still 55 and living in your basement. <laughs> but you can protect them as much as you want, and there's still not enough of you to protect them from everything. To protect yourself. So in all three of these areas, to bring yourself recognition, honor, praise, position, take care of yourself to win the battle, to provide for yourself, to protect your family, your kids. I mean, these are, some of these things are honorable. Or at least it's okay to want recognition once in a while. That's not bad. But all these things, that, to give yourself value, significance, you can't give yourself enough value or significance. It comes from God. And so pride, though, takes us into a place of trying to accomplish all of these things on our own. Even trying to impact the world, change the world, change our neighbor, change the people around us all on our own. Here's what pride does. In Genesis, Adam and Eve were tempted. 
to eat of the fruit. And the, the idea was if you eat this, you can be like God, knowing what's good, what's evil. You can be the one to make the decisions, to be in charge. But it was pride. It was a temptation of pride. You can do it. It's about you. Why be humble? Why wait on the Lord? Why trust God? You can do it. Pride tells us that we can declare what's right and wrong, that we can have all the answers. I used to make that mistake. Before I started pastoring, I'd gotten to a place where if you had a problem, an issue going on in your life, man, I was serving God, loving God, but I was so business-minded, I've been doing business so long, and all the strategizing and all the stuff, that if you came and talked to me about a problem in your life, no matter what it was, I would have sat down and we'd have, I said, okay, well, let's do this. We're going to work through one of these charts. We're going to figure out, you know, how to, you know, what's going on here, what's going on there. We're going to figure out the solution path. Then when we're all done with that, we're going to pray over it. Amen. 99% me and 1% just have God put a little sprinkle on the top. I got it all done. God, come on, bless this. Boom. I got a genius plan right now. We're going to fix this guy's life. But we think we can have all the answers. If you've been trying to answer things in your own life and struggling, maybe it's time to stop trying to answer. Believers and Christians have been trying to answer even all the problems of society for a long time. Maybe at least to a degree it's time to stop. Maybe just admit, you know what, it's not, it's not because our church can solve all the problems. It's not because I can solve all the problems. You know what we need? And we need God to move on people's hearts. We need God to move on people's minds. I can have this debate with my coworker for the next five years. It isn't changing anything. I can have this discussion. I can go through this thing. But you know what? I need God to move in. I can vote these people in office or those people in office. And guess what? Back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And that's been going on for decades and decades and centuries. We just need God to maybe move on people's hearts. Maybe God to move on politicians' hearts. His spirit to work in marriages and to work in lives and to work in kids and to actually take an active role in what's happening. We think we can control all the outcomes, which he obviously can't do. Proverbs 16, 17 to 19 says, The highway of the upright turns aside from evil. Whoever guards his way preserves his life. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. It's better to be of lowly spirit with the poor than to divide the spoil with the proud. The path of humility, the path of even a lowly spirit, which is not to say, oh, I'm worthless, ah, I'm not any good. That's not, that's not humility. Jesus didn't say that. Humility is just not thinking more highly of yourself but to be willing to serve and to get down and to actually say, you know what, I'm going to serve. When Jesus washed the feet of his disciples, as people are coming into a place, it's not like, oh, why are you coming into my house with dirty shoes on? Can you believe this guy? Didn't he wipe his feet? I mean, take them off. At least put the booties on. Should have washed those. But no, you take it down and to wash their feet. How can I help you? How can I lift you up? How can I bring you into this? James 4, 6. Humility moves us from resistance to assistance. It says, but he gives us more grace. That is why the scripture says God opposes the proud. That's the resistance. But he shows favor. Other translations say grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. 
Well, aren't we supposed to resist and be strong? Yes, but that's after submitting. That's after humility. That's after going before God and saying, Lord, first I want to submit to you. Give me your plan, your way, your heart in this situation. How would you serve through me? How would you love through me? How would you care through me? And then how would you speak through me? How would you have me to stand up? But first, Lord, show me your heart. Give me your grace and allow me to come in with your spirit and the way that you would come about things. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, sinners. Purify your hearts, double-minded. Grieve, mourn, wail. Of what? Of letting go of your own effort, of your own pride, of your own way. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. God says rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Seems contradictory. It's really talking about our flesh, the flesh side of us that always wants to exalt itself, to be on top, to be the best, to have its way, to be the smartest, to do it like this. That's the side of us that is going to have to do a lot of weeping and wailing in life if we want to walk God's way. There's the other side of us where God gives us his spirit, and the Bible talks about there's a mindset on the flesh and there's a mindset on the spirit. One leads to death, one leads to life. We're going to have to be able to kind of almost simultaneously go through this time where my flesh, my, my own desires, my will is weeping and wailing because it wants to do it my way. And the other side of me is saying, no, I'm doing it God's way, and I'm rejoicing. Even though you're in my ear freaking out, I'm rejoicing. Because I know that God's way is good. I know his way is right. I know it's going to work out. I know I can trust him. I know that he's faithful. I don't have to worry. But I'm going to stand in his promises. It allows us to do it, but it says at the end of that verse, it says, humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up. The Bible says in another verse, don't grow weary in doing good. In due time, in due time, you will reap if you don't lose heart. In due time. Sometimes we get impatient because it seems like we're having to, to take the low road too long, or we're having to be humble too long, or we're having to serve too long, or we're having to love too long. It's like, God, when are you going to do something? In due time. In due time, he's going to lift you up. He's going to lift up your circumstance. He's going to lift up your situation. He's going to lift up your character and your voice. As he begins to just grow and to change you. Jesus shows the way in John 8, 28 to 29. Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, talking about himself, and he's talking about even going to the cross, he says, then you will know that I am he. He says that I do nothing on my own, but I speak exactly what the Father has taught me. He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone because I always do what pleases him. Even Jesus is saying, you know, I spend time in prayer and in focus and in humility, and I'm waiting on my Father to speak to me, to give me direction, to help me as I go through this circumstance and situation. And sometimes as believers, we know we have the Father in heaven. We know we have God on our side. But we don't wait to hear because we're just going to do. And yet he's saying, I do what he says. I'm listening in this relationship, in this situation, in this circumstance. I'm just waiting. I'm waiting on the Lord. I'm waiting for his direction. I'm waiting for his voice. But then once we hear Jesus' other part in there, he says that if he does nothing apart from that, that means all the things that he does do are what God's given him. So there's an action side to it. This is where we're going to get into Romans chapter 12, because 
Jesus showed the way, and I say Paul pleads the way. Paul takes this whole chapter to just really try to draw people in and say, live this way. It leads to victory. It leads to overcoming. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. What is that? That's humility. Present yourself. Present your body. Present your person. Present who you are as a living sacrifice. Sacrifices don't get a lot of say in things. Otherwise, they wouldn't be sacrifices. Right? Would you like to be a sacrifice? Nope. Okay, next. They present, and then it's up to whoever, the, they're out of the, now out of my control. So that's the humility. Lord, your way. Jesus said it. I don't really want to go to the cross. If there's another way, let's do that. But not my will, but yours be done. If this is the way, do it. He prayed in the garden before the cross. It's to be willing to say whatever you want to do, however you want to do. We present ourselves a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world. Don't be snuffed out by the darkness, by the despair, by the discouragement, by things going on around, around you. Temptations. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. Whose will? Not my will. Not your will. But what's the will of God? What does God want to do in this situation? What does God want to do through me? What is he working on? How does he want me to handle this? How does he want me to do this? Where's his heart? What is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God? For by the grace, verses 3 through 5, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you. Now I'll say he said by the grace given to me. You know, earlier we read God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Walking in humility brings grace. And so he's speaking out of this place now of grace. For by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. It comes from grace, which came through humility, back to pride again. Don't think of yourself as the one with all the solutions. Don't think of yourself as the one that can, you know, tell everybody exactly how to do it, how it should be done. But you're going to jump in and solve it. Does God give us wisdom? Yes. It says in James, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God, and God will give it to you. But even in that, it's, you know what, this is God's word. This is God's way. This is his wisdom. It's not a, a battle of egos, a battle of this is my way. I see it better. I've got a better strategy. It says, but think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So right there, he says, you know what? It's not just you. When we let down pride, we let down ego, we also let down a lot of barriers and walls and self-reliance, which allows us to do what? Allows us to connect to other people. It allows us to listen to somebody else's thought or their idea or a gift that God's put in them and come together and do something greater. That's one of the cool things at L3 is that we, have, we, do, we do a little bit of a talk and then it breaks out into small little groups of three or four people and then they talk. And you know what? Somebody who, who's lost a loved one and somebody who's coming out of addiction and somebody who's coming out of abuse and somebody who maybe even was an abuser are all now sitting in a group together talking about how God's working in their life and changing their heart and changing their mind, and everybody's bringing a piece to the table, and it allows everyone to begin to see, like, oh, I haven't seen that perspective of God. I haven't understood how to do that, but now I'm starting to understand it. I'm starting to see it. Well, God's calling us all together to be able to do that. Somebody who has a gift of prayer or a gift of this, he gets into some of these gifts a little bit later in this. It says, having gifts, Romans 12, 6 8, having gifts that differ according to the grace, which remember, grace comes through humility. A lot of times, we try to have a gift out of pride. 
Watch me, I can pray. Watch me, I can speak. Watch me, I can do worship. Watch me, I can give you a word. Watch me, I can, there's all these, I can do it. But the gift that comes here is by the grace given to you. In other words, it's a humility of going before God saying, Lord, there's some trouble going on around me and I need your ability and your gifting in order to have an impact there. Like, I'm a bulb. I want to shine in the darkness, Lord. But if you don't send your power down through me, I'm just a piece of glass. That's all I am. Like, I need you to come down, Lord, your life, your spirit to work through me to light this thing up. And to stay in that place of humility and dependence upon him. But by the grace given to us, let us use them, these different gifts, prophecy, uh, in proportion to our faith. If it's service, then in serving. The one who teaches in teaching, the one who exhorts in exhortation the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy to do it with cheerfulness. Whatever part God's given you to play in bringing light to the darkness, in bringing and building people up, whatever part it is, to do it with all of your heart. To just jump in and do it. And just give it. And you know what? Pride can get in the way there too because when you are going to step out to do something that you're dependent upon God for, what if he doesn't show up? Then I'm going to look like an idiot. Like I feel God telling me I should pray for that person, but what if I do and it wasn't God? I'm just going to look like a dummy that tries to pray for people. Isn't that, wouldn't that be terrible? Just to look like just a person that wants to pray for people? And we have this mindset, like, if I don't, if God doesn't show up, or what if I'm wrong, or what if it doesn't work, or what if people don't like it? He just wants us to step out into what he's called us to do and just begin to do it and to begin to take action. Use it where we have that, but that takes humility. We have to be willing to let ourselves look foolish at times as we learn and we grow. Most of the time, if God asks you to do stuff, I love what Kyle shared last week. He said, you know what, the first two times I took... Well, I think all the, did you ever pass that class? No. no. So Kyle has never passed a public speaking class. Congratulations. He failed it once and he took it again to prove he could do it again. But God's called him to speak and to share and he touches people's lives. But when you step out to do it, God often calls us to step out and do something that when we first step in to do it, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm going to look terrible. Or oh my gosh, I don't think people agree. I don't think people like me. One of my one of my wife's, I guess kind of almost like a godfather type figure, um, one of uh, Heidi's uh, good friends uh, growing up, he always reminds me every time he visits the church, he always reminds me. Afterwards, like, wow, I'll see him in the hallway, and he'll say, come on over here. I'll walk over, and I'll say, how's it going? He's like, it's a good word. I said, thank you. It really surprised me. First time I heard you speak, I thought, this guy needs a different day job. <laughs> I'm like, well, thank you. He goes, you're doing all right. I'm like, okay, thank you. But he's right. The first time I ever preached or spoke or anything, the only person that cared really about what was said probably was me. And I sat down. My wife was even like, you're going to need some work in her loving, kind, soft way. You're going to need some help with that. And I still need help with it. I'm still working on it. But God calls us into things where we are not super strong because he wants to work through it. He wants his glory to show, not our glory. 
And so when you say, well, God, I don't think that could be you. I can't help in that way. Why? Because, because I'm not good at it. Yeah, exactly. That's why I'm picking you. Moses had a stuttering problem. God called him to go speak to Pharaoh and set the Israelites free. I mean, you go through a whole Bible and you see that. But we have to let our ego go in order to walk in it. Romans 12, 9 through 13, let love be genuine. One thing about genuine love is that it stays, it sticks. Even when somebody offends you, hurts you, bothers you, walks away from you, genuine love is hard to shake because you love them. They come back and guess what? You open your heart back up to them again because you love them. They struggle, you go pick them up because you love them. They chew you out, yell at you, call you names, and then a month later, say, hey, I, I blew it. Guess what? You bring them back because you love them. I'm not advocating for abuse. I'm saying there's relationships in our lives where we will deal with some of the struggle of being in relationship. Why? Because we love the person. We care for them. That's genuine love is willing to endure struggle. They abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. So it's not talking just about love from the heart, but it's talking about love that gets expressed. Like, express it. Well, do you know what? That sometimes we have to let our pride down. Because when you go to express love, but to just actually how it's going to be received. I don't know how they're going to take it. But to just actually just express it, just to give love and to care for the person. Outdo one another in showing honor. You know, when they take that group picture, look to make sure somebody else looked good in it before you look to see if you looked good in it. Like, ooh, wow, I want to see if Hyrule looks good. Oh, Hyrule looks good. It's great. You have a booger hand from your nose. It doesn't matter. Hyrule looks good. Good picture. Love it. Instead of trying to see if, oh, do I have the right position? Am I okay? I do each other. Like, that person honored me. I'm going to honor you. That person bought me, bought me lunch. Man, I'm buying your lunch next time. Like, just this desire to just honor and to lift up and to care for each other. It doesn't mean put yourself down so they can be higher. Because what does that do? That just eventually, if I'm trying to get lower than you and you're trying to get lower than me, we all end up underground. Talk about I do each other in honor. Hey, you're awesome. Oh, you're awesome. Oh, you're even awesomer. Oh, you're even awesomer. Pretty soon we're both leaving. Just like, wow, we're awesome. How cool is that? And just leave building each other up, giving each other honor to be patient in tribulation, constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Actually look for it, not just, well, somebody came along and, you know, they had a need, so I met it. No, look for it. Seek. Is there somebody I can help? Is there somebody I can have over? Hmm. I wonder if there's anybody here that hasn't been over to anybody's house for a while or gone to lunch or had somebody take care of them for a while. Hmm. Look around. Find somebody. Show hospitality. It's seeking it out. It's looking to do good. Romans 12, 19 to 21. It says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. God works out justice. He does that. So guess what? We don't have to. There are things that are wicked and things that are evil, and yes, we stand up and we defend and we protect, but we cannot right the whole world. And so there's a point where we have to say, Lord, I trust you to work things out. I trust you as the judge. I trust your justice. I trust your way. And I leave it in your hands. And we let go. 
And so then what's our part? Is to continue to him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you'll heap burning coals on his head. And it's not just talking about, oh, that'll really torment him. Have you ever done that? Done something nice for somebody that's mean to you and you're like waiting for it to torment him? That guy really means to me, but I'm going to leave a gift on the door. Watch this. It's going to make their weekend miserable. So you get a gift card, drop it off the card. Hey, I love you, appreciate you. And you leave him a gift card and you're just like waiting for him to be miserable. And then you see him at the Rudy's taking selfies, smacking down that brisket that you bought. And they're having a great old time with somebody. Somebody else that was talking bad about you. And you're like, where's the coals? Why aren't they suffering? I did something good to them. They should be suffering. But they're not suffering. Because it's not just talking about that. It's talking about coals. The Bible used coals as a picture of something that comes in and purifies. Isaiah talked about, take the coal, cleanse my lips. Like it purifies. When you do good and you're pouring the good on that person that's offended you, hurt you, or that person that does evil, and you're pouring the good on them, what it does is it begins to, to bring just the truth of God into their life, the revelation of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You're, you're, you're putting this into their life. You're putting this on them. And it begins to bring a, a realization of that that can help actually begin to change their life, change their mind, change their heart, and bring them to God because it glorifies him and brings a cleansing into their life. 19 to 21, the end of that, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It's not, it's, it's, it's not a path to being overcome. Well, if I'm humble, if I serve, if I love, if I care, if I shine the light, I'm going to end up just getting ran over. That's not what the verse says. It just says you're not going to be overcome, but you are going to overcome. It's a path to overcoming. It is a path to victory. Why? Because it enables a supernatural power of God to be released through your life through your testimony, to touch someone else. And that's where, you know, we've been talking about serving. We've been talking about whether it's the life support. Kyle talking last week about doing good deeds. You know, I pastor, and I hear, and I see the news, and I see this stuff going on. People are like, oh, man, this is going on bad. That's going on bad. This disturbs me. This is depressing. This is hard. You know, all those things can be true. And certainly on the news, we won't see any of the good things that ever happen. All those things can be true. Yet in the midst of all of that, God's like, you know what? But I'm going to bring some light, even if it's one life at a time, one person at a time, to begin to touch people. If we'll get activated and if we'll do that where God placed us and where we are. So last week, Kyle brought a great word on good works. Next week, Pastor Art's going to be sharing on investing our lives in others. Actively doing that, which he does an awesome job of. Uh, next month, I'm going to introduce a, really just a faith adventure in doing good works. It's going to be kind of a church-wide game activity with even some things, but that's the only clue I'm going to give you, but it's going to be fun. Stretch us all a little bit. It's on our own time. You don't have to show up anywhere at a certain time, but it's just going to be a fun opportunity for us to interact and try some things maybe that we wouldn't have tried before to do good and to just be a blessing to other people and stretch us a little bit out of our comfort zone, be willing to maybe uh, not feel so in control as we try to, like, make things better. And then we started the service today with prayer for about 10 minutes, which was great. But for some people, I know that's really like, oh, my gosh, why, what's going on? I don't want to sit here and do this. But we're just going to take time every service for the rest of the year. We have seven months left. We're going to take some time every service 
We're going to take about 10 minutes and just shut everything down, and we're just going to pray together. Sometimes we'll do it right before worship. Sometimes we'll do it after worship. Sometimes we'll do it at the end of the message. Maybe even stop in the middle of the message and do it. Well, why would you move it around? Because I'm just like you. If I knew it was always at the beginning of service, I'd come late. That's just me. I would for sure. I'd be like, well, we can get there a little later. They're just praying right now. But God listens to all of our prayers. You don't have to be a good prayer. And so we're going to take time to say, Lord, what would you do in us and through us to help bring your light to a lot of these dark situations going on around us if we will humble ourselves, even as a church, and just seek your face and pray and say, Lord, do, use us. Help us. Help us to make a difference. And just see what God might do through us. I believe God will do some miraculous things and some incredible testimonies. So that's some things that are coming up. Opportunity to have some interactive things to go out there and do through this little 30-day adventure. And opportunities to really pray together and seek God to move on our behalf. Because in the end, God's call for us as believers is not to just sit in darkness, not to be surrounded by darkness, not to complain about darkness, not to be overcome by darkness, but to overcome darkness, to overcome evil with good. The good that he's put in our life, which comes first through humility and submitting to him. And as we do that, he brings grace into our lives that begins to release the gifts and the power that he wants to work through us to make change. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you are always good. Lord, that you love us. And God, I thank you in advance, Lord, for the testimonies, for the breakthroughs, for the deliverance. Father, for just the amazing miracles that are going to come in people's lives and through people's lives. Lord, as we surrender ourselves to you and say, Lord, make a difference in me and make a difference through me to a world that desperately needs it. In Jesus' name, amen. Take the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.